Welcome to Day 132 of the New Way. I'll read Mark 8, 22-26. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't even go into the village. Here we see Jesus healing a blind man. I don't know why it took Jesus two tries. My guess is that every time Jesus healed someone, he used different methods so that we would not try to copy the method. For some, he simply spoke a word. For others, just touching the hem of his garment healed them. For others, he made clay. For others, he told them to go wash in a fountain. I believe he wants us to see through the method to the source. God was doing the healing in various and wonderful ways. We could make up an allegory and say that this is a picture of salvation. For some, they hear about Jesus and are ready to follow immediately. But for others, it takes time for them to really see the way. But I think that's stretching this passage. Let's just leave it that Jesus healed him in two stages. Sometimes he does that in our lives. Let's read Matthew 16, 13 through 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Mark 8, 27 through 30. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him.
And let's read Luke's version in Luke 9, 18 through 20. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Who do people say that Jesus is today? Some believe Jesus was a prophet. Others believe that Jesus was a great teacher. Others believe that he is just a myth or a legend. Many believe he was just a man who walked closely with God. But very few will believe that he is who he said he was, God's Son, the Messiah, the Christ, God incarnate, or God living inside a man's body. Because Simon Peter answered correctly and boldly, Jesus had a further discussion with him that is recorded only in Matthew. Let's look at that. I'll read Matthew 16, 17 through 20. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Jesus says that Simon Peter didn't think this up with his own mind, but rather that God gave him the answer. Then Jesus reminds Simon of his new name. We talked about it on day 34 when Jesus first met Simon. His new name in Greek was Peter, or Petros, and it means rock. Some churches teach that Jesus was saying that Peter is to be head of the church. I don't think so, and neither did the early church. Peter was just one of many disciples, and if anyone was the head of the church, it was probably James, the half-brother of Jesus. But Peter was one of the leaders that shared responsibility for the early churches all over the region. I believe that Jesus was saying that Peter's confession of faith was what Jesus would build his church on. When we invite Jesus into our lives, we become part of Jesus' church. 
Don't get that confused with the local church. Jesus's church is made up of all the people who have invited Jesus into their inner core at all time periods of history and from the entire world. When you invite Jesus into your life, you automatically become a part of Jesus's church. Now there are people from just about every religion who are part of Jesus's church. I would love to tell you that local churches are just subsets of Jesus's church, but I cannot. That's because not everyone who is a member of a church is necessarily a member of Jesus's church. Does that make sense? Local churches should be subsets of Jesus's church, but it is not necessarily true because local churches today are made up of both followers of Jesus and empty people who are following self. Many people today look at the local church and say that it is no longer relevant, that it is dying off, that there will be no church in the future. While that may be true of the local churches, what do these promises tell you about Jesus's church? I'll reread Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Having the keys of the kingdom is symbolic of power. If you have the keys to someone's house, then you essentially have permission to come and go as you please. Likewise, the keys to a car means that you have permission to use that car. Here, Jesus says that you have been given power to represent God to the people. We don't often think about how our behavior, our attitudes, or moods affect other people. But I believe that Jesus is saying that we need to be aware of this power and that we do influence those around us for good or bad. Then in Matthew 16, 20, he gave the disciples an interesting command. I'll read it for you again. What was it and why did he give it? Matthew 16, 20. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Now this is a change from their previous assignment. I think it represents a change in the social climate. The crowds had already decided that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ. They didn't need to be towed anymore. They had seen enough supernatural miracles that they believed. And I believe that the Pharisees and other leaders of the Jews were getting madder and madder. I believe that Jesus commanded the disciples to quit telling people 
that he was the Messiah or the Christ for their own safety. We have missionaries today serving in countries where they are not allowed to preach or teach about Jesus, but no one can stop them from living out God's love toward all those around them. When people realize how different they are, they come to them and ask them to tell them why they are different. Then privately, but at great personal risk, they tell them about Jesus' good news. Today, it would result in the death of the missionaries and the inability for the message to be shared if they were to flagrantly disobey the rules of that country by preaching. I believe that Jesus was telling the disciples to not provoke the Jewish rulers any further by continuing to state that Jesus was the Messiah. Sometimes when people are resistant to our teaching, it is best to just love them and pray for them and let God do the work inside their hearts and minds. The Lord of the harvest will guide us to know when to share and when to be quiet and pray. In his service, Dale.